Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Headed home, Ben Morgan runs into Maggie Williams and his ailing heart skips a beat. For years, Maggie has struggled to forget the gorgeous former rancher raising their daughter, Emma, alone, a daughter of whom Ben knows nothing. Maggie swears Ben will not break her heart again, and you can jump in to the first title in the 11-book Morgan's Run Western series, then travel east to New England and enjoy the Morgan's Fire spinoff series. There are seven books and a holiday title coming in 2021. That's right. This episode is sponsored by M. Lee Prescott, author of the 11-book Morgan's Run series. As mentioned, the first book in that series, Emma's Dream, is currently free. That is zero dollars. So the price is definitely right. It's a heartwarming family saga, explores the power of community in shaping residents' lives, and love in this Southwestern Valley community. Once again, Emma's dream tells the story of a courageous child, her parents, one of whom does not know that she exists, her grandparents, her large supportive family, there's adversity, adventures, celebrations, great food, happy endings. You can't go wrong. So check out the Morgan's Run series, starting with Emma's dream. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we talk about romance novels, romance landia, romance other things. I don't know. Just all <laughs> things romantic and happy ending guaranteed. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording episode 92 on Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Woo! Woo. 92! 92. Getting close. And <laughs> What do you think I will greet you with when we have done 100 episodes? I'm not sure. Why I do the slow, steady countdown, Jess, to 200, 150? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows, indeed. Only time will tell. But speaking of milestones, Jess, Book Riot hit a big one. Yes, it did. Would you like to guess? Okay, I know you know. I'm going to let <laughs> all of our listeners guess. Guess how old Book Riot turned earlier this month. Don't tell them. Everyone guess. Do you have a number in mind? Yes, you do. Okay, great. If the answer was 10, you are right and good at guessing or else maybe you just knew or maybe you listened to other Book Riot podcasts (laughs) because we've all been talking about the fact that to celebrate our 10th anniversary last October, Book Riot is running a limited edition merch line. There are hoodies. There are sweatshirts. There are totes. There is more. It's a very simple and I think classy Book Riot logo. Mm -hmm. Very familiar, I think, to folks who have, have seen it before. But... You have to act now. For real, Jess. This is not like one of those Instagram ads where they're like, oh, I'm closing my shop, but then you get them for like a year. No. (laughs) The Book Riot merchandise line is only available in October. Some of you might know Book Riot used to have merchandise. Then they stopped. It's back only this month. I'm doing a lot of hand gestures that none of you can see. So maybe I will settle down and take a deep breath. But (laughs) go to bookriot.com slash merch to check out all of the cool merchandise, but you do have to do it in October. If you are listening to this episode in the future, I'm sorry, maybe there's something on eBay. (laughs) 
All right, I'm going to settle down. You you go next. Oh, wait, you finished Ice Planet Barbarians. I did. I did indeed. And? Um, for those of you who might not remember the last uh, conversation Trisha and I had, we touched a little bit on book talk and publishing and Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon, which I had been aware of for years, but hadn't picked up. And I just did some jumping around in my reading material last week and couldn't settle on anything until I sat down and opened Ice Planet Barbarians. And then there I was thinking, should I just read the whole series? Spoiler alert, I did not, because that's a lot of aliens in one brief (laughs) moment. But I was very glad that I had prior warning about the fact that the opening of the story includes alien sex trafficking and off-page rape, because that could come as a surprise to someone not expecting it. Yeah, could be very unsettling. But the bad aliens are out of the story relatively quickly, and then we get to get the actual romance story between uh, human Georgie and the good alien whose name i don't remember it's earth the v it's kind of weird because you know alien sure but it was so very readable and lots of fun with a f- i mean there are going to be eyebrows raised it's an alien romance but um <laughs> it was still i i enjoyed my reading of it and if you get the special edition berkeley edition that's coming out Sometime in the near future, which I read an advanced reader copy of, thank you very much, NetGalley and Berkeley. you get some bonus extras that are not included in the version of the book that is on Kindle Unlimited. So just keep that in mind. Would you read the next book? Second question, I'm going to ask you both in once so I don't forget. <laughs> Do you think it was sort of the readability? You mentioned it was like very readable. Is that, you think, part of what made it take off? I do plan on reading the next book eventually. I just tend to get series fatigue if I try too hard to read too much of one thing. Yeah. In part because one of the bonus things is actually something that takes place after the events of the next book. And while I could just keep going and read it, I kind of want to be in the know of everything that's going on. So I will at least read the second book at some point and why... I say at some point, we'll talk about later. And it's very quite possibly how easy it was to read that made so many people fall in love with it. Like, part of it is also just how bonkers the story is and the idea of everyone having a faded mate, even if they're on a different planet. And I mean, I'm going to tell you, the sexy times are quite sexy timey. <laughs> Okay. Quite sexy and quite timey. Quite sexy and quite timey. All right. I think, uh, yeah. Okay. I think that that probably, especially I think for people who are maybe a little newer to the romance scene, I think that can can keep them hooked. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate the report out. Thank you for that. (laughs) I do what I can. Yeah. No, I I, am. And we appreciate it. I think I speak for all of us when I say (laughs) we do appreciate it. Oh, and we got another email from Casey. Yes, Casey is one of our 
great correspondence who wrote wrote us about a lot of things that we'll have to consider in the future. But one of the things that they mentioned is that it would be awesome if there was an AO3 style tagging system for romance or just books at large. And they mentioned that library thing has something that kind of works, but I have yet to try it out. And um, for those of you unfamiliar with the lovely acronym of AO3, Archive of Our Own, A-O-O-O-3, is a fan fiction archive. And it has some original work too, I think. Actually, Winter's Orbit was originally written on AO3 as an original title and then pulled to publish. It has this amazing tagging system where people can tag almost any element of the story, they can create their own tags. But if enough people use that tag, then it's a, it becomes a general tag. And you can click on grumpy sunshine, you can click on enemies to lovers, you can click on so many things, including like pairings and groupings and that kind of thing, but also elements of the story that also count as content notes for anyone who does or does not want to read about a certain element. So it's amazing. It has had some problems. There was this one issue where a fic writer used like every tag in existence or something. It was so long it was like stalling people's computers or something like that. I can't remember. But back to Casey. I think that's a great idea. And I wish there was a way that we could do it in a universal way. Because I know that there are specific authors who have used that format to to do some promotion for their stuff. Like I think Rosie Danen used what looked like AO3 tagging advertising for her most recent book with the rabbi and the sex worker. I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> but it would I think that would be awesome, Casey. So thank you for mentioning that. And I wanted to throw out that while it doesn't quite make it to that level of uh, tagging Smart Bitches Trashy Books has a book finder on their website and you can drill it down by multiple tropes or elements or writing style or things like that. Um, so if you haven't checked their website out, they're definitely a friend of the podcast and we're a friend of theirs. Definitely have a look at that book finder. I will link to it in the show notes. Also, Jess, uh, I did a quick search. Perhaps you heard my typing. Apologies to Jen, our wonderful audio editor. <laughs> it is called The Intimacy Experiment is the Rosie Denon book I think you're looking for. Thank you so much. I could see it, but it was blurry. Yeah, there's people. <laughs> they're like on a pedestal. It's nice. All right. One more quick thing before we do an ad spot. Uh, we have, as many of you know, if you've been keeping track at home, one more One in Romance book club book left for you this year. Uh, so we are going to be reading Sweet Disorder by Rose Lerner. Came out a few years ago, I want to say like 2017. So hopefully it is um, accessible to folks regardless of kind of their budget. Make sure you check your libraries. For reasons that we'll discuss shortly, uh, we're, we're going to be kind of booked up for, for a few episodes. And so we are going to discuss for our December 13th episode, which we will record on December 9th. So feel free to read along. Again, that's Sweet Disorder by Rose Lerner. That, that title will also be in our show notes. And be excited. One more for the year. And then we got to pick a whole new round for 2022. A whole new round. I'm excited for that. Me too. I mean, I'm also excited for Sweet Disorder. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, and hey, if you have suggestions for 2022, never too late. Never. Nope. Never. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, it is too late for 2021. It is not it's too, never early too early or too late for 2022. <laughs> so technically that was correct. All right, Jess, I seem to be a bit of a mess this evening. I will let you do an ad spot. Okay, I am going to do an ad spot. Thank you to Radish Fiction for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I am Emily Valdez, 24 years old, nursing student, and I still can't believe it. Hired surrogate to Colton Collins, the enigmatic bachelor of the famous Collins family. He's protective, maybe overprotective and has high expectations for the woman carrying his child. I said I could handle it. I had no idea what I was getting into. Download Radish and read The Billionaire Surrogate and see why millions of readers have started their journey uncovering Emily and Colton's unbelievable path to love. You can read on the Radish Fiction app for free, and it's full of stories with memorable characters and tempting plots, all by talented, award-winning women authors. You can get deals on paid content as soon as you sign up. So go ahead and check out Radish Fiction. And once again, you can download the Radish Fiction app for free. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Hooray for Radish Fiction. <laughs> All right, Jess. Part of the reason that some of our uh, When in Romance agenda slots are likely to be taken up over the course of the next month or so is that our annual tradition of doing recommendation requests for possibly the holidays, possibly just because it's fun, is <laughs> coming up. So so we always plan for one. So we know that we're going to be doing one on November 15th. So if you are unfamiliar with this glorious tradition... All you have to do is send in your recommendation request, right? So you could say, I have a friend who just started reading romance uh, over the pandemic. I've been recommending some books to to them. And, you know, they really like Red, White, and Royal Blue. They really like Alyssa Cole. Uh, I'm not sure what else to recommend to them. And we will help. Oftentimes, the requests are much more specific than that, which is why it's better to get them in early in case we need to uh, to recruit some of our Book Riot colleagues for a little bit of, of idea help. Yeah. But yeah, feel free to send those in to Romans at bookriot.com. It is never too early to start sending them. Eventually, it will be too late. Yes. Uh, and if we get too many, we can always, uh, you know, the last couple of years, we've gone actually two episodes because we've gotten a good number of requests, uh, which we certainly can do again this year if if this situation calls for it. Yes. And as Shusha mentioned, some of them can get very specific. And that leads us to finding some paths into our own reading that we can never turn back from. So thank you all for that. Because yes, sometimes correct. It's, it's great to discover new, new yeah. things about ourselves. Every time I scroll through my e-reader to sort of be like, oh, I'm trying to look for, you know, X thing that we're going to talk about. Like, what did I read in the backlist? Like, what do I, because I'm not very good at tracking my reading. So I kind of just have to scroll through and take a look at titles again. I always get to a place where I'm like, wait, why was I reading this historical fiction and also this monster romance and also this friends to, oh, oh, yep, yep, yeah. It was, it was recommendation request season. It was, yep, that's where we were. Mm -hmm. So feel free to send those our way. Jess, I think this topic and a couple of, you know, emails and inquiries and discussions that we've had recently made us realize it might be fun to kind of take a few minutes and talk a little bit about how we find books and how we request them and why we request them. Because we know that many of you, especially in this time where it seems like people are increasingly finding romance, 
probably are making recommendations yourselves. So if nothing else, we can we can all kind of swap notes. Absolutely. So let me start with uh, a question for you, Jessica Pride. You read a lot of books. I do. We know that about you. <laughs> how, given how many books you are surrounded by, just as a bookish person, a person sort of in the book review kind of world as a librarian, how do you pick what you are going to read next? It's funny you say surrounded by, because as we record this, I sit in a chair that's kind of against the wall in um, what I call my TB room, uh, T-B-R-O-O-M. Oh, that's adorable. Because there are hundreds of books on shelves in this room that I have not yet read. So how do I pick books is a great question, because sometimes there is that moment of paralyzing regret in which I realize that I have no idea what I'm going to read. And then I sort of assess my feelings. And <laughs> I know that's hard to do. That's hard to like synthesize as a thing that you can do. But I am, I am a combination mood reader and need reader. So for instance, I pulled together some books to put on my little cart that are the ones that I remember being most excited about when I first bought them. Now that sometimes they get superseded by something I see on Twitter, because if everybody's talking about something on Twitter, or if maybe like Silvana Reyes is talking about something on Twitter, or yep. one of my other very trusted people, if you post about it on Instagram, that might jump up in my desire. But sometimes it's just like, I need to read a book. What is jumping out at me? And like I was talking about with IPB, sometimes I need to read like three or four books before I really, really settle into one. Like I'll read 20 to 75 pages of a book and move to something else. And then there's the need thing. Like if we decide that we're going to talk about a specific topic or if I'm working on a list for book the Book Riot main site, and I realize I've read some books about this, but there are others that I want to get into, or I see someone talking on Twitter, and I want to like, be aware. So there are so many different things to go into like how I choose a book. And I honestly let the book choose me when it comes down to it, because anything could could make or break my reading experience. And this year in particular has been one where I can go through four books before I actually finish one. So yeah, that's how I pick what I read. And honestly, like, there are so many different kinds of books in this room. Like I've been reading a lot more contemporary romance fiction recently, mm -hmm. some of it with a lot of feelings. But then I'll also go and read Morning Glory Milking Farm because everyone is talking about it and I need to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> or like I have Stalked by the Kraken on my Kindle list because somebody mentioned it and I was like, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, pick it up and see what happens. Yeah. How do you pick your books? I feel like I need a better process and I feel like you probably have one. <laughs> I don't, you will. And I will say, I think... There's a few different ways, right? First of all, I am very much a series reader. So mm -hmm. if I fall into something that I'm really excited about, especially if it's a little bit more backlist and the the books are all out or there are like three or five or 10 of them out, I'm thinking in particularly of the Blessing series by Beverly Jenkins, which I 
Mm. read like 10 books over the course of two or three weeks last summer, t- summer of 2020, because I just fell into it. And it was like, I'm I'm very happy to be sort of immersed in a world. Like, I, I, I'm happy to live in the same place with the same characters for a while. So I think that mm-hmm. is one thing, you know, like once I found a gateway in, if there's a series or frankly, an author that I was unfamiliar with that has a backlist, then I can kind of live even if that person hasn't written a, a series per se. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's kind of their style is such that it feels that way. So I think that's one for me. I do think I, like you, do tend to be influenced by something that I've seen around, like, right? Like, so it's, you're actually going to talk, you're, I think you're going to, you're going to talk about a book a little later on that a friend of mine who just started reading Romance within the last year sent me a text that they had finished and they said, thank you so much for the recommendation. That was so great. And I was like, well, this is awkward. I have not read that book. You got that recommendation <laughs> from someone else, which is fine. I'm very glad that they were able to find this book and this new author. And uh, it, like, I'm not bitter at all. I'm not. I'm generally. I'm genuinely not. I, I. I don't care at all. But I. It was kind of funny to sort of be like, oh, cool. You now have your ear to the ground at least as mm-hmm. much as I do. And so I think some of those like really big, buzzy books are great. But I also will say, kind of, I think my third sort of way of doing it is. And we'll, we'll, I think, maybe talk a little bit more about this. But there's a, there's something about wanting to kind of find something a little bit under the radar, right? Whether it's backlist mm-hmm. or whether it's a lot of – I think hopefully this is less and less the case, but it still is very much true that a lot of marginalized authors are kind of behind the scenes a little bit. Or, you know, new mm-hmm. authors or self-published authors. or You know, like there is this whole wealth of romance. I mean, think of – like you were talking about Talia Hibbert. For years, probably, yeah. definitely months before <laughs> the Brown sisters were, you know, the series that every romance reader is, you know, very well grounded in. And I think that's kind of one of the things that I try to look for, too. I read a, a book just over the weekend called Not My Type by Evie Mitchell, which is the first book in a series that's about people who have disabilities. And mm-hmm. one of the protagonists in the story uses a wheelchair, but and I shouldn't say but see, like, that's just the, the kind of thinking that we get into. And mm-hmm. she is a sexologist podcaster. And she's, you know, researching kink. And it's, you know, like, it's very well done. But it's the kind of book that I don't know if it was self published or indie published, but it was it was pretty kind of under the radar. And I don't even know how I happened upon it. But I kind of thought, you know what, I don't really read enough books that are own voices books about people who have disabilities. So yeah, that's a, a place to get into. So I do try to be intentional about that. But I think in some ways, you know, it is it can be really easy just to fall into a series or fall into an author or fall into the like latest trends. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, you know, I think I think all of the books, well, maybe not all of them. A lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about later are pretty popular. And I I try my hardest to do sort of to alternate between those two. Like I, one of the things that I decided to do this year was to put up a whiteboard in said TBR to keep track of my like up next books. And one of the things that happened is at some point there was a really good deal on Kindle Unlimited and I got it for like two and a half years or something. Mm -hmm. So I... (laughs) I and and then they upped the number of books you could borrow. So one of the things that I have is all of the books that I currently have checked out in Kindle Unlimited. And then on Amazon, I have a list of the next books I'm going to borrow from Kindle Unlimited, because 
that algorithm will actually help you find things you want to read. It's like, it's a terrible algorithm and it'll bring up so much stuff that you don't care about. But the number of books I found just in the like readers who read this, but also bought this thing um, in books mm-hmm. that I've borrowed on Kindle Unlimited have actually been like, oh, wow, I never would have heard of that book if I hadn't clicked on Grumpy Bear or mm-hmm. something. Um, and yeah. I, I just pulled that one off the wall like I'm staring at it right now. So that was the one that- <laughs> But so like between the Amazon algorithm and I know, well, we're not, well, maybe we are. I don't know if you use Goodreads, but you know, sometimes my friends just, there are things that pop up on Goodreads that I'm like, oh, I I really want to read that. And then I add it. And of course, I never think about it again until I go to add it again. And it's already been added to my want to read. Yeah. 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 Is that kind of the same for like how you find authors? Like, is it is there a difference between how you find a new author versus how you find a new book? Yeah, um, kind of, actually, because, you know, like, there are a lot of authors that I will, you know, it's like, oh, that's cool. I'll read that. But there are some authors that are like, once I'm on the train, like, even if I don't read everything they publish immediately, Mm -hmm. I am going to be hyper aware of it, probably buy it, let it sit on my shelf forever before I actually get to it. Um, But I will at least like know that with the exception of like tropes that I really can't do or things that are hard limits for me, they will give me a good book. And, you know, sometimes I will say a lot of the authors that I've like really latched onto are people that I also follow on Twitter. And I know that like 10% of the United States uses Twitter or something like that. It's some number that is really surprising because it seems like everybody's on Twitter. But there are authors who I just, there's something about their personality that digs into their books. And these are mostly self-published authors or small publishing house authors. But I could probably say the same about traditional or big published authors, it's because there are so many in romance, it's hard to like latch onto a few because yeah. you're always discovering more. But there are people who just have a certain style that you can really attach to or get attached to. And even if I've only read a couple of their books, there are people that I'm always going to be aware of. Like, I probably have like 20 J books on my want to read shelf on Goodreads Mm -hmm. because I really like her writing and I like the ideas that she comes up with, but I've read like three. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Like, do you, do you find it in the same way or, or is there a different way? I think one of the things that gets me with authors, and I'm thinking in particularly, uh, again, (laughs) of Beverly Jenkins. I'm also thinking of Kristen Ashley, who we'll come back to, because there are a lot of content warnings that I would, maybe even stronger than that, but whose (laughs) books, even in different series, take place within the same world, which is Mm. very much catnip for me, right? Like, you can be reading the Contemporary Blessing series, and there are connections to the historical romance characters. Like, I would love if anyone knows if there is, like, a family tree in the (laughs) Beverly Jenkins universe please let me know. Because if not, that would actually be like a very fascinating, I think, project for like 
the book riot romance community to take on because (laughs) there's just so many connections and all the way through. And Kristen Ashley, who I, I will say is not generally an author I recommend because there is a lot that concerns me about her books in a lot of ways. And so at this point, I I don't even generally read them anymore, but they all are part of an interconnected universe. So for me, like with an author, when they do that, right, like when they, Sarah McLean has done that, you know, like the new Alyssa Cole series is tied to the last Alyssa Cole Royal series, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. thing really gets me like standalones are great, but for whatever reason, they kind of don't, I don't connect with them as well. So I think mm-hmm. I think for authors, for me, it's it tends to be the same way that I end up finding books is that it's people who are, you know, and then like you said, I think you can, you start to know what you can expect from from a writer and you start to know what a particular style is. And actually, one of the books that I'll talk about later is one that I really loved the second or the first book in the, you know, by the author and didn't really know how connected the second one would be. But even if the the story isn't connected, the style is the same and that's mm-hmm. just, it's honestly, like, maybe it sounds lazy, but sometimes it's easy just to be like, oh, yeah, I like this author. I know I like this author. I know I'm going to like probably their next book. So I'm sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before we get into, I think, actually talking a little bit about recommending books and what we think about and what kinds of books we're recommending, let me go ahead and do uh, one more Book Riot ad spot for us. In Portland, Neo Kelly is having weird visions. Vivid daydreams of lovers on a battlefield that yank her out of reality. In 1888 Ireland, Will Yates is ready to settle down to a quiet life when he begins to time travel again. Will sees Neve in danger and saves her by carrying her back to 1888 Ireland, where he learns that not only is she from more than a century in the future, but also from a parallel world where fairies and Tuare de Danon heroes are no more than myth. Will's friends, Irish Queen Isold, and her allies are depending on Will and Neve to connect with the past in order to save Ireland. But can anything save them from the violent end that their dreams have foreshadowed? This is a book from Blackstone Publishing. It is The Warrior Poet, and it's book three in the Fairy Rehistory series by Sharon Lynn Fisher. It's available everywhere. Books are sold in ebook, audiobook, and trade paperback. Also available in the Fairy Rehistory series are book one, The Absinthe Earl, and book two, The Raven Lady. So once again, take a look out for The Warrior Poet by Sharon Lynn Fisher, which is available everywhere from Blackstone Publishing. All right, Jess, we've talked about how we find books. We've talked about how we find authors. We've talked about some specific books, but here's the real question that the When in Romance listeners about to send recommendation requests want to know. What do you think about when you are recommending a book? I think about a few things, you know, like, if it's if someone's looking for something in a specific subgenre, or they're looking for something like a specific author, I'll try to get at least into that, <laughs> into that part. So, you know, if they want historical romance, I'm not going to recommend them Talia Hibbert. But I also think about like, tone and pacing and other elements of the story. Like I was thinking about how I keep recommending Battle Royal to people, the new Lucy Parker book, and forgetting about the fact that while I thought it was absolutely hilarious, there are some serious elements of like grief and abandonment and, and like childhood neglect and stuff like that. And it's like, I have to remember that 
this bit is running through the whole thing and it's a little darker than people expect when I'm like, it's a hilarious, really funny rivals to lovers book. Um, mm-hmm. so I definitely like try to, try to think about the, what I would list in the content notes section of my Instagram post or my Goodreads review anytime I'm thinking about recommending a book towards a specific request. Yeah, I think too, there's a thing that I don't know if Book Riot originated, but that I first heard about on Book Riot called like the Swiss Army Rec, which Mm. is like a book that you feel like you can kind of recommend to any reader. And in romance, I definitely have some Swiss Army Recs. I have, I mean, Alyssa Cole, basically anything that Mm -hmm. she does. And I'll talk in a minute about one of the books by her that I've recommended consistently. But for me, I think I recently was doing a lot of that in the last year, because again, this might not be true for everyone. But for me, a lot of my friends who had not been romance readers before started picking it up in 2020, um, when they were looking Mm -hmm. for something that they could kind of reliably count on to have a happy ending. And so Mm -hmm. for me, The Widow of Rose House, which by Diana Biller, which as many of you know, is one of my favorite books of all time, definitely of the last (laughs) few years. And exciting enough, uh, one of the, the second book by Diana Biller, The Brightest Star in Paris, just came out this week. And it is, it's funny that you mentioned the thing just about being like funny, but also sort of traumatic. I feel like Diana Biller is so good at that because there's a lot of trauma in her books and there's a lot that's really hard to get through. For me, mm-hmm. they're very well balanced by the comedic kind of aspects that kind of the, the comedic aspects, but also kind of the gentleness, like the compassion and kindness with which trauma is addressed and respected and the impacts mm-hmm. of it are really respected. And in this case, there's a there's like a she's got a nickname, but Amelie is the name of one of the characters in the book. Uh, they call her St. Amy. And she has been dealing with the aftermath of the siege of Paris and she lost friends and she lost her mother, you know, it, at the same time. And there's just like a lot of really difficult things that she's trying to deal with. This uh, gentleman from her past, Dr. Benedict Moore, who happens to be the brother of um, the one of the main characters of The Widow of Rose House, of the famous sort of more quirky family of scientists, who she knew, this is a second chance romance, she knew him 12 years ago, but he's back and a lot has happened in the meantime. And it's just like I was telling someone else at Book Riot recently, it's like whatever the opposite of toxic masculinity is, it's in these <laughs> books. And that's kind of yes. what I was talking earlier about. If you know the tone of an author and how they write, there's something just really comforting in that. And so for me, Diana Biller is one of my kind of Swiss Army authors. And, you know, as you were kind of talking about earlier, or maybe just you and I were talking about what are the books that we'll be recommending, you know, for the rest of the season. For me, I think The Brightest Star in Paris is for sure one of them. Yeah, and it's funny that you mention the way that an, a specific author can weave sort of that that trauma into a story that isn't that is a a little more has a little more levity um, because one of the books that is wildly popular, at least on the internet, I don't know if it is outside of my little bubble. But it seems to have like caught some kind of rising star and the author made some kind of sacrifice to the devil because it's a debut novel. It was a book of the month book. It hit the New York Times. It's like all over the place is The Love Hypothesis by Ollie Hazelwood. Which is the book that my friend had read before me, by the way. The one I referenced earlier, (laughs) just closing the loop, makes me feel slightly better to know that it was all over the place. Oh yeah, it's it's everywhere. It it was kind of surprising. 
because the main character Olive lost her mother to pancreatic cancer. So she's a she's in STEM. She's a biology grad student doing research on pancreatic cancer, and it like the combination of her work and her grief sort of plays into her character, but it doesn't bog you down while you're while you're reading it you're still enjoying the story of her and her um i don't want to he's not a colleague because he's a professor and she's a grad student but he's not her her professor it's it's weird but there are there are no power plays involved in this story um even though they work in the same department so it's there's like a fake relationship and a secret it's single point of view, like it's only from her point of view. It's a really great, really tight story that has a few elements of questionable behavior there. Like I do have to add a content warning for either sexual harassment or sexual assault by a side character. Um, And of course, the whole pancreatic cancer thing, if you are not in the mood to read. But I read this book in a matter of hours and have talked about it to everyone I know. And that was that was one of those where I didn't know what I was going to read next. And uh, so our romance friend at Book Riot, who many of you I hope I hope follow on the various formats on the internet was talking about Adam and Olive. And I was like, I think I have that I'll pick it up and try it out. And then, you know, by the next day, I was with her crying. So <laughs> This is definitely one of those books that I like. It's not quite a Swiss Army recommendation just because Mm -hmm. there's pieces of it that might not work for specific people. And also, like, there are people who have decided not to read it specifically because it it originated in the fanfiction world as Raylo fanfiction. But, like, it's not even serial numbers scraped off of this and it's like a whole new story it just like the great thing about fan fiction is you can take characters and do anything you want with them and this is the anything that ollie hazelwood want that we all want together so basically they look like their their characters but they they have nothing in common with them if you're worried about space nazis like there is no element of that in this book. Um, but that was a love hypothesis by Ollie Yay. Hazelwood. And I feel like I talked about it for like an hour. And I'm sorry. No, I think you had me at no space Nazis. I mean, you had me before <laughs> that, but you, you definitely had me there. No, I, I, that is one that I actually have bought now. I just don't, I have not read yet. Um, I think too, for me, just when you were talking about like, it may not work for everyone. I think there is kind of a balance between like, what's going to work for a specific person, but also what's like a little bit outside, not of like what they are comfortable with. Like, I don't want to put anyone in a place where they don't feel like they can read safely. That's never, ever, I don't think for you either, like a thing I want to do. But I Mm -hmm. do sometimes want to expose people to like an author or a kind of book that maybe they wouldn't read otherwise. So Mm -hmm. another one for me that I have recommended once, but I I think I'm going to be recommending more is Seducing His Secret Wife by Robin Covington. And I think the main reason, so first of all, that's an amazing title. I think we all just need to pause for a second and acknowledge (laughs) it. Seducing His Secret Wife is like the best. And I love, that's like one of the things I love about Harlequin, right? Is that there's just so much there. And also it is Mm -hmm. all very accurate. And it tells you a lot about what you need to know in the story, which is that Justin, who is 
the best friend of the character in Adam, who's in Taking on the Billionaire, which is the first book in the series, accidentally goes to Vegas and marries Adam's sister, <laughs> drunkenly not realizing that he's marrying his best friend and business partner's sister. There's like a lot of background there. But it, the thing about <laughs> this book that to me is kind of like, a oh, hey, maybe more people should read this is that so Serena Redhawk is the other main character in this book. And she is she and Adam and they have another brother who I'm hoping will be in the next book. They are indigenous. And Robin Cummington is uh, an author who is Native American as, as well. And so not only is it an own voices by a, an indigenous author, which you don't always see a lot of, but also, I mean, Serena was in the army. She's a veteran, which you, is another thing you don't see a lot of, and also doesn't seem to have like a lot of PTSD, which I don't mean to diminish in any way that experience. But I think a lot of times when romance authors put people with military backgrounds in their books, it's to kind of create that as a plot point, or even if it's not intentional, that ends up being a thing. And I think it was really interesting just to sort of see the take on this. And it's yeah, she's she's like a heroine, unlike any that I had read lately. And so I think sometimes, you know, it's helpful to me to be able to read books by authors who are writing characters who are a little different from what I'm used to. And that tends to be that tends to jump to the front of my recommendation list, because Mm-hmm. It's like I said, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but it, I think it's okay to push people a little on what they might not be reading otherwise. And a lot of people won't read Harlequin because they think that there's something wrong with it. But how do you mm-hmm. how do you read a title like Seducing His Secret Wife and just not get entirely on board? <laughs> I know, right? It's like they tell you exactly what is – it's exactly what's on the 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got married. They're secretly still married. And yeah. he has to seduce her to get her back. Like, yep. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a slow burn. Like, they're they're having a bunch of sex, but also, like, she's like, mm, this is temporary. This is temporary. And he's like, okay, but is it? And she's like, yes, it is. He's like, okay, but is it? And she's like, yep. He's like, okay, it is. Wink. And she's like, no, really. This is temporary. It's great. It's like, it's delightful. It's so good. And it's funny that you mentioned that because... Anita Kelly is another author that I found myself following on on Twitter. You're going to hear a lot about Twitter and people I follow. I'm sorry. And they have a full-length novel coming out with Forever next year. But I was really intrigued by their novella series. It's called the Moonlighter series. And it's it's set around a karaoke bar. And... It's like, I guess I was just missing karaoke, which I haven't been to in like five years anyway. It wasn't even COVID. It was just me. But <laughs> the first book, Sing Anyway, like they, they have these delightful covers. And Sing Anyway features a fat main character and a non-binary main character. And I don't know which one is the, really the main character and which is the love interest. So they're both main characters. And it's just like a little squish to your heart to read. It's It doesn't... Well, it took me 10 days to read Our Favorite Songs, which is the second one, because I've been having so much trouble reading. But the usual reader who isn't having trouble reading should get through it in a few hours. Both of them. So, and they're just delightful, really, really heart-wrenching, but heartwarming stories about people who are trying to figure themselves out and let themselves be in love and both of them are just so 
so great. So the first one is Sing Anyway, um, which I think I talked about when we talked about Teachers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then our favorite songs, I just read, uh, I finished last week or the week before, and it is just as delightful. I think I don't like it quite as much as Sing Anyway because Lily is my favorite person ever. (laughs) Is that one out yet, Jess? Yeah, yeah, it's it's available to purchase. Oh, great. I didn't know that. Or request from your library. Oh, hooray. They're both available, at least to digitally get, if your, your library has overdrive. Yay. It's funny. I think for me, I've started to go, like, from what is the Swiss Army wreck to, like, what is the more, what do I think about with a more specific recommendation? And I had a friend mm-hmm. recently who was just, like, relatively new to romance, but is interested in starting to maybe read historical although this person's like a little skeptical and not sure and so um i gave them two titles what two of the so i was thinking about two different things here right so first of all like what could potentially hook someone into a historical romance if they are skeptical first good writing second of all a good hook mm-hmm. hence the hooking them in but also sometimes when i'm trying to recommend a book to someone who i think is a little wary, try to go with something a little shorter, right? So mm. I'm actually, um, Seducing His Secret Wife is is relatively short, but the two books that I, I sent to this person are both novella length, and they're both by authors that I think will be familiar to, to all of you, or at least if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. And again, I think if you've got a good author, it's, it's a good entry point. So I recommended That Could Be Enough by Alyssa Cole and Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. And I... I have not heard back yet. We'll see. But I, I did. That could be enough by Alyssa Cole because there is a a Hamilton connection there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that was a good entry point that that book was originally part of a series that was part like, I think, the Hamilton Battalion, I think is what it was called. Yeah. And yeah. it was like a kind of series about books that were connected. And I know it's someone who is interested in Hamilton, which is not like that, that connected that I was at that point. I was un- when I read it, I was unfamiliar I had not seen Hamilton, and so I still was very Mm -hmm. on board. But, you know, like, there's a hook there. And also, Alyssa Cole Historical is, for me, like, a great entry point for anybody. But I also recommended Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan for a lot of the same reasons. She's a wonderful author. There's sort of, like, a revenge against a terrible person, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. a terrible nephew in particular, that's very satisfying. And also, this is a story about two older characters than we usually see. And so I think there are a few is again, it's kind of a a mechanism to say like, yeah, this, this genre that is, you know, follows a a pattern and leads to a happy ever after doesn't have to be rote or routine. And I think that's, I think that's worth pointing out to people. So again, that's that could be enough by Alyssa Cole and Mrs. Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. Solid Rex for everyone. And it's funny that you mentioned Courtney Milan because I got to say the book that I have recommended most to coworkers, to friends online, at work, just as as like a personalized recommendation directly to someone is The Duke Who Didn't. And that's because it seems like this year and last year, especially, but this year, maybe even more, people have been asking about romance you know, happily ever after, not white, low angst, funny if possible, but not like ridiculous 
sensual but not like overly sexy like there have been a strange number of people in my life who have been looking for a very specific kind of book and even if they weren't historical romance readers the duke who didn't was the thing that really like checked all of those boxes so i have recommended that i don't even know how many times i've recommended that to people and of course people who read that often go and look for more Courtney Milan. So it goes back to how you're finding author. So you're leading people to great life decisions is basically what I'm hearing. <laughs> and doing my best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's currently a standalone. They don't have to like deal with a lot of world building. Too. So yeah, that's the book that I have found myself like tossing at people, just shoving it against their chest figuratively because my, my copy stays on my shelf <laughs> i think that's fair i think you need to be able to protect your own books <laughs> all right well that is probably the amount of time that we have for this conversation yeah we ended up doing kind of a pivot late in the game to talk a little bit about our books and our recommendations and our styles and where we find stuff but it was interesting for me but i think even more just i i feel okay speaking for you and i say it would be really interesting for us to mm-hmm. hear how do you find books? How do you find authors? Who do you listen to? Where do you draw your attention? Is it your library? Is it social media? Is it other recommendations? Is it the Goodreads or Amazon or Kobo or Barnes & Noble or whatever algorithm? Like, where are you finding that stuff? Mm-hmm. It would be really, really interesting. So feel free to send that our way at Romance at bookriot.com or at, at our socials, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, also, do start sending us your recommendation requests because... It's never too early, but yes. it will be too late. <laughs> so um, you can find me mostly on Instagram, occasionally on Twitter, but on both I am at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading, all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. Um, and I'm on, I'm on both. Well, I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot more, but I am, you'll find me on Instagram every once in a while. And please do let us know where you're finding books, where you're finding authors, and whatever else you're thinking about. It's always really, really fun for us to to hear from all of you. And it'll give us a little something to talk about next time around. Because by yeah. then, the Book Riot gear might be gone. So we, what be. will we do with the beginning of our episode? <laughs> and tell us what your Swiss Army recommendation is. Ooh, yeah, that's a great one. Oh, I definitely want to know that. Okay, yes. Also that. <laughs> Uh, but I think that is it from us for now. So please keep the conversation going over social media and email. And a huge thanks as always to our wonderful audio editor. You won't know this, but she did a lot of heavy lifting in this episode. Uh, so huge thanks to Jen Zink, who is the best. Woo! All right. And in the meantime, happy reading, everybody. Woo!